Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. The next couple of weeks from now, the next couple of months, we're going to be really diving into our mission as a church. Who we are and what we are in pursuit of. Who we want to be and who God has called us to be. And I'm very excited about this because I've wanted to do this for a while now, but I waited until September and after Labor Day, and here we are. So, so next week we're going to do that. But in order to talk about the things that we are meant to be in pursuit of, I realized very quickly that we need to actually position ourselves first for the pursuit. We need to be ready. We need to be in a position where we're ready to go after the things that God has for us. And this is a really good time to do this on Labor Day. We're talking about, I almost called this the non-Labor Day message. But, but instead, this, this message is going to be called Positioned for Pursuit. Positioned to go after something. And when I was preparing this, I was thinking back to playing baseball. And if you've played baseball before, if you've been on, you know, the defensive side and you've got your glove on and you're waiting for a ball to come, it's in your best interest to not be looking up into the sky or texting on your cell phone or or distracted from what's in front of you. Now, this is what it looks like when my son plays t-ball. They're all looking up in the air. They're not really paying attention. The coach is like, pay attention. The ball is coming. The ball is coming. Because they know that they have to learn that if they're going to get the ball, If they're not going to get hit in the face with the ball, they have to be positioned. They have to be in a ready position for the ball when it comes. Same thing if you've ever played football before. If you're on the defensive side of the ball, the the ball is snapped and you have to be ready to go after it. but, But you have to be positioned first. You have to have your focus in the right place. You can't be distracted. You can't be in pursuit of a million different things. You have to be wholly and solely focused on the one thing that you're going after. And, and so if we as a church are going to be in pursuit of God's people, his promise, and his power, we have to first be positioned to be able to advance after what God has called us to do. And so that's what I want to discuss here today. And there's this thing that we talk about a lot. We're aware of it. We read about it, and we're going to do so in just a moment. And it's this issue of rest. It's this, this idea of, I need to get to a place of rest where I am in, in an awareness of what God is doing much more than everything else that's going on around me. And we talk about it a lot, but we don't always do the best job of entering into the rest. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, it says this, So then, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive or labor to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience, speaking of the Israelites. He said, I want you to strive or labor to enter into the rest that God has for us. If we are going to be positioned, if we are going to be ready to enter into what God is speaking over our lives and over this community and and the amazing things that he has in store for us, we have to learn what it is to be positioned in rest. 
We have to learn what it is to get to a place where we are wholly and solely focused on what He is doing, allowing Him to use us for whatever it is that He's calling us to walk into. But as many of you can probably attest to, entering into rest is not often all that easy. Getting to a place of fully resting and fully being able to disconnect and disengage from the stresses of life is not an easy task. Unless, of course, you're a teenager, which is a rare species that somehow finds the ability to sleep till one o'clock in the afternoon and actually feel good about it. That, like, there, there's this period of time in life where it's very easy, apparently, to rest because I'll stay up as late as I want and I'm just going to sleep until the afternoon, no problem. But for the rest of us, hopefully, when we enter into adulthood, we don't really want to sleep the day away. We, we realize there's, there's things to do, there, there are things to get done, and so we do need to get things done, but also we need to learn what it is to rest. Because rest really is synonymous with trust. To rest is to trust God. Jesus was able to sleep in the boat because he was at rest. Because he knew that no matter what the storm was, he didn't have to be fearful of it. The disciples didn't understand this at that time. But Jesus was able to rest. And his life was a life of pursuit of God based out of a place of an internal rest. An internal trust. Trust in God, I'm sorry. So, we have a tendency in our lives to not rest. We have a tendency to actually feel like we never have enough time. We feel like, I I don't have enough time. We're, We're always, we feel like we're behind. We're always in a deficit. We're always trying to chase after something that someone else has. And it often isn't until we are forced to rest or maybe when we've been on vacation long enough, that we start to allow ourselves to get into a place of rest. You know, I I said this, it took three days for my body and my mind to recognize that there was a shift that was being made. And while this was happening, I was having a conversation with my wife and my friend Theodore, who's visiting from Sweden. And, And we were having this conversation, and I remembered this book that my brother Christian had got me a year ago. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Now, in fairness to him, I should have started reading this a lot earlier. In fairness to myself, I've been way too busy to learn how to not be busy. But, but this was a really good book. And so I started talking about this with, with Jamie and Tito, and I started reading through it and, and listening on, on an audiobook. And, and I started to see this concept of hurry really come to the forefront. Hurry is something that we are often very aware of. Does anyone else in here ever feel like they're in a state of hurry at any point? Okay, so quite a few of us. So this is, this is a good message for today. This, this book talks about the ruthless elimination of hurry. And what he basically says is that busyness is not actually the problem. Like having too much to do is not always the problem. Sometimes, let's face it, it is. But a lot of times it's not busyness that's the problem. It's that we have this internal feeling of busyness, this internal feeling of hurry that we need to do something. We don't have enough time to do it. We don't have enough time to to get after all that we have to get after. So we have to be really quick. And we're always from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. The definition of hurry is this. It's to move or act with speed or haste. To move or act with speed or haste. 
But when we look at what this word means in this context, it's less to do with the actual speed of getting things done, and it has much more to do with the internal feeling of anxiety. The internal feeling of, I need to get something done because there's always going to be more to do and I can't slow down enough because everything else is going to catch up to me and I'm never going to get it done. I feel like in a lot of ways, this word hurry describes me very well, or, or at least my mind, the way it works. We've heard the analogy of the duck that kind of, you know, looks like it's floating out on the water peacefully. On a, on a tranquil pond. But then when we look below the surface, what's actually happening? It's flapping furiously to stay afloat. That's how my brain feels sometimes. Anybody else? A few of us, right? We, we might look like, hey, everything's going good, but, but constantly we're trying to think about all the things that need to get done, and, and we're trying to figure out what needs to happen next. But this author, John Mark Comer, he talks about the dangers of hurry. The dangers of when this becomes a lifestyle. The dangers of when this becomes our internal reality. And so he has a couple of quotes that I want to look at here today to kind of caution us and to make us aware of what hurry really does to us. This first statement is very short and sweet. He says, hurry is violence on the soul. Hurry is violence on our internal reality. It's not just something that exists that might be an inconvenience. It's something that is dangerous. It's something that attacks our inner being and our ability to find rest and to find solace and to find a sense of God has got this. He's in control. The other other thing he says about hurry is he says very often, you know, we ask somebody how they're doing. And the response they get back, and I'm guilty of this, is, I'm doing great, I'm just really busy. And so we hear this response, and and so we assume that pathological busyness is okay. After all, everyone else is busy too. But he asks the question, what if busyness is not healthy? What if it's an airborne contagion wreaking havoc on our collective soul? Just because everyone's doing it does not mean that it's okay, right? There is something about hurry that we accept in our culture, and maybe it's just more a Northeast thing because sometimes you go to other parts of the country and they don't seem like they're in such a hurry. But I would say maybe they deal with it differently. But hurry is, is something that is destructive. But to me, this next quote is the scariest one of all. He says, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. That is like a warning beyond warnings. Not that we will renounce our faith, but we will do this thing that I spoke about a few months ago. When I was talking, the the message was called, Are We Satisfied? And the question I asked was, are we satisfied with what we've seen in our life? Are we satisfied with who we are, with where we are, and what we've seen God do? And 
So what we were talking about was that sometimes in life we become so familiar with our circumstances. We become so familiar with the pace of our lives that we become satisfied with less. We become satisfied and we find this acceptable level of discomfort. When we are in such a hurry to get through life and get the next thing done and do the next thing that has to be done in our minds and and we're constantly in a hurry and constantly in a rush, we find ourselves just getting through life and we find this acceptable level of discomfort where I'm not happy with where I am. I'm not super excited about what comes next, but I'm just trying to get through and I'm just trying to minimize the pain and the feelings of, of discomfort. You see, that's, that's what hurry does. That's what this feeling of constant busyness does in our lives. And it's not that the devil has to come and attack us all the time. It's just that he has to have enough distraction. He just has to have enough things to take our mind off of what God is doing that we ourselves will step back and accept less. We know that God has created us for something amazing. We know that God has given us a a future and a hope, a purpose, something that he has designed for us to do. We keep saying this and we'll say it again. God has put something on your life and your life and your life that somebody else needs. But if we are so distracted with everything else, we won't recognize what God has invested in us. And we certainly won't have our eyes open enough to see the other people that he's called us to invest in. We have to be very aware of this hurry that becomes so natural. The truth is that we have to reposition ourselves to be in pursuit of God's reality. We have to reposition ourselves to become aware of the reality of rest. Of the peace that passes all understanding of the joy that is to be our strength, of the ability to find Jesus in the midst of circumstances, not saying that the circumstances are going away, but to understand that he is present in the midst of them with us. We have to be understanding that there is rest that is available to us. And this reality means that we are focused on what what really matters. That we're not distracted, overburdened, and on the brink of a meltdown. Because we may not realize it, but very often, when we allow life to build up, to consume our thoughts, when we allow the stresses of life to become our reality, we are inching closer and closer to a place where there is a breaking point. So what we want to do is we want to Be aware of what it is that's causing this hurry. And what we want to do is position ourselves for what God is calling us to do. Because what God is calling us to walk into is an amazing adventure. An an adventure, an adventurous journey that the pursuit of God is meant to be. It just means we have to take our eyes off of so many other things that come to distract us. So let's get into this real quick. So we have four culprits of hurry that I want to look at here today. The first one is probably the most significant, or at least the one that we can all relate to the most. It's our relationship with time. 
Some of us have a love-hate relationship with time or just a hate-hate relationship with time. It, from the moment that we wake up in the morning to an alarm clock to the time that we fall into bed at the end of the day, so grateful to be there and to wrap our arms around our pillow, or, or maybe it's at that moment that our, our mind already starts going as to what's coming up the next day, feeling like we're already behind, that we already don't, we didn't get enough done today, so tomorrow we're going to have more to do. This, this element of time is always present. It, it's always causing us to look at, once again, the deficit and what we don't have. Because time is something we never feel like we have enough of. It, it's, it's like this saying that they always say to, to Jamie and I, and, and everyone says this, and it's right. It's like, you got to make sure that you enjoy your kids while they're this age because they grow up so quickly. And the more that we go through life, we see that this, this really is, at least the sentiment of this is so true. They, they grow up so quickly. Time is something we feel like we don't have enough time. But the truth is, it's not always that time is moving too fast. It's that we, in the midst of a finite amount of hours and minutes and seconds and months and years, we're not present in the midst of the time that we have. It's that we're always looking to the next thing. It's that we're always worried about what we haven't got done. We're, we're always feeling the stress and the weight and the burden of it. I, I remember being in class as a, as a student in probably grade school, but I can definitely remember high school just watching the clock go by. Now, this wasn't the feeling of time is going by too fast. This was the feeling of time is crawling to a stop. Somehow I've entered into this time warp where, where time just moves so slowly. And I'm like, what is going on? But I've also worked other jobs where it felt like I do not have enough hours in this day to get done everything that I have to get done. Where time is moving so fast. And, and regardless of whether you feel like time is moving fast or moving slow— we have to understand that in the midst of time, we have a responsibility to be present in it. To be present in what is happening in that moment. We only have this time in front of us. But we've also been given something because we've been created in the image and likeness of the God who created time, that we have authority in time. Because if we step into fear of not having enough, or boredom, I guess— of, of feeling like it's going by too slow, we are not present in the moment allowing God to speak into that place. You see, some of the best times that I had with God were in these jobs where everything felt like it was moving so slowly and I just turned my attention and my focus to Him. Like, being present in the moment means that whether things feel like they're going at light speed or they're moving so slowly that I'm taking the time to recognize the author of time. The one who created time. Instead of being afraid of time and feeling like time is something that I am under the control of, understanding that I actually have control, I have authority is a better word for it, in the midst of the time that I'm living in. But I have to be aware of it. All too often we feel like slaves to time. But God has created us to live in this time to operate on his level, to be in pursuit of his perception of what's going on. To be fearful of time is simply to say, I don't have any, any authority in this, when God says you absolutely do. 
And the thing is also about time is that we often find ourselves in a place of self-reliance where we're trying to control it. We're trying to manipulate our lives to fit everything in to make it all make sense. You see, in this book, John Mark Homer makes this statement, and I can probably agree with it, and, and maybe you would agree with it here as well. He says, all my worst moments in life come when I'm in a hurry. All my worst moments in life come when I'm in a hurry. I, I don't know if they've always been my worst moments, but, but I've had some moments where I'm in a hurry where I feel like, you know what, this is, this is not the reaction I wanted to have. This often happens with my kids where I'm like, we have to go. Can you please get ready? Can you please put your shoes on? Can you please put your jacket? Can we please get out of the house? I don't know what's taking so long. What is going on here? Because the thing about hurry is that if it's our internal reality, it doesn't usually stop with us. It affects everyone else around us. And so I'm trying to rush my kids out the door like at four or five years old, they should have any concern in the world whether we're five minutes early or five minutes late. They don't, by the way. But they shouldn't. Their life has only been this much, and my life might have been this much, and I feel like this inner like stress that I have to get ready and go and, and be at this place, they're not worried about that for a second. And then there's the times where my wife is getting ready to go someplace, and I'm asking the question like, hey honey, do you need help with anything? But all I'm really asking is, is there something that I could do to speed this process along? I'm trying my best, and she sees right through it every time. Every single time, sees right through it. Meanwhile, she's trying to get a million and one things done, take care of the kids, take care of dinner, do all of these things, and I'm just over here like, hey, I got to go someplace. I'm sorry, baby. See, hurry, hurry doesn't just affect us. It hurries everyone else around us, but what hurry does, it distracts us from life. It distracts us from what God is wanting to do, what he's wanting to say in that moment. And Jamie made this statement the other day, and I'm not sure if I have it exactly right. But the, the question is, is this thing that I'm in such a feeling of hurry about, is it going to matter in five minutes? Is it going to matter in five weeks? Is it going to matter in five months? Is it going to matter in five years? This thing that I'm, I'm rushing my kids along to get to the next place, is this going to matter five months from now, five years from now, when I am desperately wishing I could have that time back? In our relationships, in the places where there's conflict, in the places where there's disagreement, is this thing going to matter five months, five years, or five decades from now? Can we be present enough in the moment to ask that question? Can we be present enough and, and disengaged from hurry enough and busyness enough and anxiety enough to have a clear reality of what is actually available to us in the time we're living in? It's a really important question to ask. The other truth about time is this. That very often it's not that we don't have enough time in reality. It's just that we've been too distracted with the time that we do have. I heard one amen out of that. <laughs> We're not going to spend a lot of time on this part, but 
we as a culture are often far more distracted than actually busy. Now, some of us are actually busy. Like, some of us have a lot of stuff going on. So I'm not, I'm not taken away from that. But a lot of times, let's go back to the teenagers. You're not actually busy, just very distracted. So many things vying for your attention. We live in a society where everything is at our fingertips. We have an app for everything. We have access to all kinds of information and connection and all these different things all in the palm of our hands. And yet we are not more efficient in life. We are more distracted in life. I think that the average time that that we spend on average as Americans touching our phone is 4,000 plus times a day. That's just, that's just like the median. That's like the, the in-between. They say that at the extremes, it goes up to 5,000, 6,000 times a day that we're touching our phones. Now, I'm sure once again, I, I, I'm not really hating on the young people today, but I'm sure that some of these things might be skewed a little bit. But still, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time distracted. And I, and I know for all of you today, when you open your phone, you're just looking at the Bible app. You're just looking for the the devotion of the day. I know that that's what you're doing, but a lot of other people are doing a lot of other things. Looking at social media, looking at the Next Plus, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, you know, all Apple Plus, all the pluses, not to mention the Netflix and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the YouTubes and all the other things that I don't even know about right now. There's a lot of distraction going on. And yet we get to the end of the day and we're like, oh, I didn't have enough time to get anything done. I got to do all these things tomorrow and it's because, oh, well, maybe I spent like three hours today just like thumbing through something and, and we miss out on this other important thing of life, which is like <coughs> spending time with God and, and, and we've spent all of this time on devices instead. Sometimes we're pretty distracted. And we have to recognize that this feeling of hurry is not always imposed by the circumstances around it. Sometimes it's something that we have caused ourselves. We have to understand that time is a valuable commodity. That the purpose on our lives is a valuable and intentional thing that God has put in place. And that our responsibility is not to hurry through life trying to get everything done and to check every box. But it's to live in a place of an awareness to what he is saying and what he is doing. The other thing, the third thing we're going to look at today, we won't spend very long on this either, but we talked about social media briefly. Our comparison with others. We go through life... First of all, trying to present this perfectly curated aspect of who we are on social media for everyone to see. I'm sure that the the pictures that we posted from this last vacation, we didn't include any meltdowns, right? We didn't include any kind of like, you know, first waking up in the morning, any of those kind of pictures. They were only the pictures of the sunsets, jumping off of really high rocks, just, just so everyone knows I'm okay. I know we had some extra prayer coming my way from some of the posts from this last week. But we put forward these images that we want everyone to see. And then what we do is we try to pursue everybody else and what they're doing and what they have. And so we need to have the perfect houses and the perfect lives and the perfect pictures and the pictures of our our kids behave the best that they possibly could be. And we live in pursuit of these things. and, And once again, we're in a hurry to get to a place where everything looks perfect. 
I remember going through the Dave Ramsey program and him talking about how like generations today, they get married and they instantly want all the things that their parents had. They instantly want the house. They instantly want the cars. They instantly want all of these things, but they're not willing to take the time to work for it. And so they just go out and they borrow a bunch of money to get there. We have to be aware of, of what we are giving up in order to be in pursuit of success in the eyes of the world. I truly believe that we should be in pursuit of an amazing life that God has for us. But not at the expense of losing the peace that he's called us to walk into. And certainly not at the expense of losing what Hebrews 4 talks about. Entering into the rest that God has for us. Entering into the peace that God has for us. The last one that I want to talk about here today is the four-letter word of work. Or more specifically, our perception of work. Now this is not to say for one second that working is a bad thing. Because I think, in all honesty, our culture could learn to be a little bit more hardworking. Especially as young people. Learning the value of what it is to work hard. To earn a living. To, to go through things that are not always fun and not always comfortable and not always ideal. Like we could, we could stand to have a little bit of a better work ethic. Because sometimes we, we get to this place where so much is given to us and handed to us and there comes this sense of entitlement. This sense of feeling that doesn't come from my trust and reliance being on God, but maybe being on the government or on others. Like there is value in work and hard work. And so many times because there is this entitlement, well then there isn't as much work and then there's more time to not get things done and to still be in a hurry and to still be busy and to still feel like we have all this stuff to get done and, and yet we are engaging in a level of responsibility that God has called us to enter into. This is something we need to be aware of and instill in our kids. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10 says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Like that's a serious command right there. Like we need to be willing to, to learn the value of, of hard work. Instead what's happened is we've, become, we've been given more time to be busy doing nothing, and yet we still don't feel like we have enough time where I just need to, to spend time doing something to, to fill it. Now, there is this other side of work, where it's not that we don't work enough, but then we have this relationship with work where I just need to spend one more minute, one more hour, one more week working on this thing, where we're putting all that we have into this thing because, once again, we don't feel like we have enough time, and we become married to our work. Where we become these people who are always going after and distracted with, with what is in front of us as far as our employment or our job or anything like that. You see, there's, there's this other side of the coin here. And it's funny because in, in 1967, this book was also talking about this. They had this concern that by the year 1985 there wasn't going to be a lot of people working anymore because technology was going to advance to the place where everything was going to be done for us. So they predicted by 1985 that the standard work week was only going to be 22 hours a week and 27 weeks a year. 
So basically, half a day for half a year was going to be the workload because technology was going to advance so far. Well, the truth is, is that since then and since the 80s, we work on average four more weeks out of the year that we don't actually have than we did back then. Because there are so many people devoted to their jobs and putting in all the extra time. Once again, it's finding this balance. I think a good work ethic and working hard is so important, but also making sure that we are not using it as a distraction from the other things that really matter in life. They always say this, we're not going to get to the end of our life and think, oh, I wish I would have worked harder and longer. Right? Working harder is good, but but did I take the time to value the things that really mattered? So the question is, with all these things going on, the distraction, the hurried pace of life, the feeling like I'm so far behind, how do we expect to be positioned for what God is calling us to do? How can we, when we allow ourselves to be so self-reliant, expect us to be able to walk in the gifts needed to fulfill the purpose that God has for us? See, once again, we want to be positioned for pursuit. Luke chapter 15, verses 17 to 18. This is the story of the prodigal son. And I just felt like this was appropriate here today. It said, but when he came to himself, when the prodigal son came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. When he came to himself, my prayer today is that in pursuit of being positioned, that we would come to a place where we come to ourselves and realize, I need to make a shift in this area. I need, I need to make a shift in my thinking, a shift in my focus, a shift in how I view and value time. And most importantly, a shift in what God is calling me to do in this time I'm living in. Hebrews 4.1 says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Rest is so, so important. So I just want to hit on a couple of things really quick. I believe it's just three. Three things that we can use to come out of the pitfalls of hurry. Who's hungry in here today? few of us? Okay. All right. Three things. Number one, there's this word that we are so familiar with, but that we often don't implement very well. It's called the Sabbath. For many of us, the Sabbath is just Sunday. We go to church. We go home. We do some work around the house. We take care of some other things. We don't really fully take a Sabbath, but it's our Sabbath, right? But Sabbath is actually so much more than that. See, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. And Shabbat is the word that was used when it says that God, he saw that everything that he had created was good, and it says he stopped. He rested. He ceased from what he was doing. Hebrews 4 verse 9 says that we need to enter into Sabbath rest for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God rested from his. That's what the Sabbath is meant to be for us, a Shabbat. But there's another word that is in the definition of Shabbat that I really like, that I think really fits it very well. It's the word to interrupt. To really take a Sabbath, to really cease, to really 
stop what we're doing in order to rest in Him, we have to allow Him to interrupt our time. We have to allow God to interrupt our busy lives. We have to bring an interruption into our schedules and into our pursuits and into these things so that we can stop long enough to find rest and peace in Him. We have to learn the value of taking a Sabbath. It's not just the Chick-fil-A model, though. It's not just closed on Sunday. To, to take a Sabbath means that at various times throughout our week, to stop long enough, to take a deep breath, and to rest. To stop long enough in our week to look to Him and to make the time for God to speak into our lives. John Tyson says this, We as a culture are driven by time. The first thing we do when we wake up is we check the time. The goal of our culture is to get time under our control. But Sabbath is something different. It's putting time back under God's control and seeing what He does with it. That's what we need to do. We need to give God control once again of our time. It needs to be an intentional lifestyle where we shut everything else down, where we turn off the radio when we're driving in the car, where we turn off the noise, where we separate ourselves, even if it's just in that car ride, and to allow God to speak. We're going to continue to speak more about Sabbath as we go forward, but just I want to see that we have the ability to implement this into our life right now, even today. The next thing is the principle of silence. How often do we actually ever have silence in our lives? You know, there's some times where we feel like we have a crazy life and silence is just not available to us because of kids or because of family or because of all those things. But there are some times where silence is interrupted by ourselves. I'm the biggest culprit of this. My wife tells me this all the time. I've always got something on. I'm always listening to a podcast, a message, a song, watching a race, a Yankee game, which has been terrible lately. Like, I'm always doing something. There's always noise. There's always something going on. How often do we ever just make silence in our life? How often do we take the time to separate from everything else to once again listen to God? Even if it means waking up a little bit earlier in the morning. Even if it means making some time where we separate from everything else going on in our lives to just add some silence. We need to bring some interruption into life sometimes to give Jesus a chance to speak. And that's the final point here today. If we are going to interrupt the busyness, the hurry, if we are going to be the ones who position ourselves for the pursuit of what God has for us, we need to make that time with Jesus. We need to prioritize the time with Jesus. John Mark Comer says this, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. I think we need to let those words sink in. 
Hurry never makes us more productive. It spoils what we are doing. And it takes away from what God is wanting to do in the moment of our lives. The other thing he says is that hurry and love are incompatible. Walking in the gifts of the Spirit doesn't really happen when we're in a hurry. How many times have we been in a hurry and also very loving? Not very often, right? How many times have we been in a hurry and, and really and truthfully put our attention on God to see what he was saying and what he was wanting to do? Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 and 11 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore once again strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Joshua didn't bring the rest. Man can never bring the rest. We in and of ourselves can never be the ones that are going to produce the rest that we need. It comes from a trust and a reliance on God as our Father, Jesus as our King, and saying, Jesus, in the midst of my life, with everything else going on, I want to take the time right now to put my focus and my attention on you because I know that you have something greater for me than I could ever imagine. And I'm going to trust you enough to rest in the midst of everything else going on. 